F. Looking out a dirty old window. Outside the cars in the city go rushing by. I sit here alone and I wonder why. Friday night and everyone's moving. I can feel the heat, but it's soothing, heading down. Hello, this is Minute 94 of As If, the podcast about Clueless, where we talk about Clueless minute by minute. I am Darren, your host, and today with me is uh, Jesse Cooper. Hello. And Trevor Gibson. Uh, hey. And we're into the credits. This is the first full minute of credits. There's nothing but credits to talk about here. We start with Mona May, the costume designer. Um, uh, she's got teal. Teal, I would say, is is the uh, the color of her uh, her lettering on a uh, on a hot pink background. And we finish just as the cast credits start scrolling up, as as we get into the. The, uh, the second cast credits about 10 seconds after the song Tenderness uh, finishes and we get a new song which I will discuss in length on tomorrow's episode um, so we're not going to talk about the music we're just going to talk about the people um, so first of all we have Mona May the costume designer um, she at this point when Clueless came out had been a costume designer for about 5-6 years um, she had been a costume designer on Clueless. This is kind of her first really big uh, movie, unless you think of Best of the Best 2 as a big movie, which I personally don't. Um, and she also did High School High, which is kind of like the John Lovitz high school parody film. Um, and she also worked on the first season of Clueless, the TV show, um, before she went on this streak of doing uh, Romeo and Michelle High School Reunion, uh, the Wedding Singer, Night of the Roxbury, uh, Never Been Kissed, Loser, reuniting her with uh, Amy Heckerling. And uh, more recently, uh, she's done Vamps with Amy Heckerling. And um, she did the TV series uh, Grandfathered. Uh, the uh, Who's the guy who's the Is that the, the one with... On is that? that John Stamos? That is it, John Stamos, yes. The John Stamos uh, venture. So, you know, that's she's had quite a she's still, you know, working now. So she's she's had quite a, a long uh, a long career. Um and working with Amy Heckling on on a few films. Um most famously she said that the budget for this film was like tiny basically. <laughs> um Breckenmeyer is basically wearing all of his own clothes and Paul Rudd also, for the most part, is wearing his own clothes. The- um including a couple of t shirts for bands and various causes throughout the, the whole thing. Uh, yes, Trevor? I was just going to say, for Paul Rudd, that makes total sense. <laughs> like, yeah. like, outside of, I think outside of uh, Alicia Silverstone and uh, Amber and why I'm mixing up names, besides... Uh, no, she definitely did had to do stuff for Amber because Amber's clothing is Yeah, yeah, Amber, yeah, no, crazy. Amber, no, besides, no, but like, it seems like, except for like the main, like, fashionable women characters... Yeah. In this uh, movie, it seems like a lot of them probably could have just wore their own clothes and it would have been still been in place, you know, not looked out of place. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, of course, was the, the different types of tartan and plaid, which were worn by, you know, most of the, the major characters, um, you know, um, what is Brittany Murphy's character's name? Ty. Ty has, like, some 
um, plaid later into the film after she's been made over. And obviously we start the film out with um, Cher picking her, her iconic yellow plaid um, matching set. And also um, Dion wears quite a lot of plaid, but it's a little bit like subtler. Yeah, so there's... I, I, mean, I mean, yeah, most of the guys seem to just be wearing their own clothes, basically. Uh, I'm not sure that Jeremy Sisto owned as many like um sweater vests in real life probably <laughs> maybe maybe he did you know <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah uh yeah but the budget for like the, the 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 clothing was not huge um most of it went on share and obviously you know that amazing um you know her wardrobe basically that the kind of rotating wardrobe with the kind of computer stuff <laughs> that kind of picks it out i would like to give her uh mona may a hand for that just that gym uh, scene that was i think in my minute yes with all the all the different black black yeah, and just, white outfits yeah and like all of them are very di- yeah all of them are very yeah. distinctly different and like really cool looking and i would like to give her hand on that cuz that was that's a very visually striking scene that just that sticks with me. As Cher said in her like monologue where she gets kind of angry about the, the state of men's fashion in this particular school, you know, where it's just like everyone just like kind of pulls their greasy hair back and half pulls up their their jeans and all that. Like I get the feeling that most of the extras were just dressed like that anyway. Um, there might have been a push to have them slightly exaggerate some of it, but I, I think that was just like all the extras were dressed um like in the stuff that they probably wore to set and, and everyone was probably happy with that. Um, so is there anything else to say about Mona May and the costumes in this particular film? Um, I would like to know like what she had to do to just get most of Amber's outfits together. Cause <laughs> like those were out there and like, there's a lot of out there outfits in the first place in this movie and she blows them out of the water. I yeah, so. particularly when they're doing the photographs and she's wearing like the kind of all-in-one body stocking, like matching, like that's just a crazy outfit. <laughs> like, but that had like, to be custom made, right? I'm guessing. Like I said, the budget wasn't huge, but most of it went on um, most of it went on Alyssa Silverstone. And I, I remember reading something from the the kind of 20th anniversary reunion last year where um, she talked about how. She wanted to try and keep some of those outfits because she really liked, like, after the last day of shooting, like, a number of them kind of, like, just disappeared. <laughs> so she didn't get the chance to, to like, keep any of the, the costumes that she liked. So uh, someone must have liked them. But I'm guessing nobody stole Amber's stuff because that was just, that stuff's just crazy. Um, in particular... You probably the- figure it out fairly quickly who took them. It's just like, why are you wearing a green <laughs> leopard print jacket? Um, yeah. The real question, it, sir, is it, why... Hey, wouldn't I wear a green leopard print jacket? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so our second card has the unit production manager in the first and second ADs. Uh, The unit production manager, Barry Berg, as he's credited here, but he uh, is also known as Barry Emberg. He he was a producer on um, the revitalized Brady's. Like the, the the Bradys were brought back in the the late eighties, early nineties, and he was a producer on a couple of episodes of those. Um, and then he later went on to be a producer on the Brady Bunch movie, which came out the same year as Clueless. Um, so I think that's quite interesting because I really enjoy that film. Uh, if you've ever seen the Brady Bunch movie, have I? Have you ever seen the Brady Bunch? I, movie? I have. I I love the 
as a yeah. child. Like, <laughs> I, I was real young. But, like, uh, the Brady Bunch was one of those shows. Because for the most part, I was uh, raised by, by television. And I really liked a lot of the TV land stuff. But, like, the Brady Bunch was, like, I need to watch some cartoons now. Like, I hated the Brady Bunch so much. Oh, I love the scene in the movie with well, that the... Sh- that should be perfect. That should be perfect for the Brady Bunch movie, because the Brady Bunch movie basically seems to hate the show The Brady Bunch. It does, um, with just a fiery passion. It's amazing. I remember the guy who created The Brady Bunch, he, um, he, he really did not like The Brady Bunch movie. Um, I think, is it Sherwood Schwartz? I think is the guy who created it. And... Um, and yeah, he was kind of very outspoken about the direction that Betty Thomas and um, uh, the, the writers, who I think also created um, Third Rock from the Sun. Um, oh wow! Bon- Bonnie and T- Bonnie and Terry Turner. I think they might have also written the two Wayne's World movies as well, or at least written the first one because I think they used to be writers for um, SNL before they. Um, they moved on, and they yeah they used to write for SNL, and they also created the that seventy show, as lo- along as as well as Third uh, Rock from the Sun. So that, that makes sense in a way. There's sure weird, not really weird, but they share a similar sense of humor. All of those projects go on yes. a brief uh, little thing about Wayne's World too. Wayne's uh, World two, Wayne's, not Wayne's World one. Uh, you mean the superior no, no, Wayne's two. World movie? I agree, Jesse. Well, you know, here's the thing. Like, I knew about, like, because I watched, for some reason, for a really long time in my life, Wayne's World 2 and Bill and Ted's uh, Bogus uh, Adventure. Bogus Journey. Were linked. Bogus Journey. Yeah, Bogus Journey. I basically put uh, the plot for Bogus Journey, Sans, Bill and Ted, and just put Wayne and Garth in there for some reason (laughs) for so long in my life. Like, I guess I watched them, like, close together, like, as a young child, and just didn't watch it since, until, like, a couple years ago. Here's the really weird thing. The film Wayne's World was the first film I ever went to the cinema by myself to watch, Um, and I lied to my mother and said that I was going with some of my friends, and uh, I think at the time I'd fallen out with these friends, so I definitely wasn't going to the cinema with those friends, so that was the first time ever that I went to the cinema by myself. Then, the friend that I saw Wayne's World 2 with, I'd also seen Gremlins 2 with, and Back to the Future 3. We had this weird streak where we basically just saw sequels at the cinema together, Um, and it took years before we actually saw a film that didn't end with a number, which is a bit bizarre. I have a question for you, though, uh, involving uh, Gremlins 2. So that bit, that bit uh, where the whole Colgan bit, where the <laughs> screen projector dies on, like in the movie, how did that play in the theater? I mean, people like, people kind of just laughed because it was Hulk Hogan, you know. Well, what you well, think? Like, were you the, think we were convinced that there were gremlins in the projector? No, 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 not that. It's just like uh, like watching it on like a VHS or uh, tape. I mean, a DVD or whatever. I don't think the joke played at that as well. Well, no, obviously like, not, because you, you, yeah. you're watching a DVD, so you know that there's nothing wrong with yeah, the yeah. picture and there's no gremlins like, in I was, there. Yeah, I was just wondering how it played in, like, a theater, because, like, as a kid, I was always like, that's... I guess that's funny, but... I, I mean, really you're asking me either. you're asking me to remember seeing a film from 26 years ago. Like, pretty much 26 years ago, like, this week, because that's when it came out in the UK. And I can't remember well, how people in the, in the cinema 
26 years ago <laughs> felt about a gag, about a projector breaking in the middle. I mean, I'm sure it was very, I'm sure everyone enjoyed it. I know that I was, you know, I was a big wrestling fan at the time. So, uh, you know, me and my friend, we both enjoyed seeing Hulk Hogan um, on the screen. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I can't say I remember the exact reaction to that particular joke. You'll I, mean, have I was to... just looking up to the elder statement you know, <laughs> in this podcast, and you know, you're just failing. You might, ha- you might have to wait like four years' time or something for the 30th anniversary, and they and see if they re-release it like they did when uh, Gremlins hit 30, and um, you know, and and see how people react when you go to see it in the cinema then. But otherwise, I can't, I can't tell you what the reactions were of people 26 years ago to a joke from the middle of Gremlins 2. Oh, uh, I remember it like it was <laughs> well, yesterday. I'm sorry. It was like War of the... <laughs> it was like when Orson Welles first uh, did uh, War, of, uh, War of the Worlds. People were running out of theaters and burning them down to the ground <laughs> to kill the Gremlins. <laughs> anyway, most recently, Barry Emberg, as with, um, as with our last um, person, worked on Scream queens uh this this past season on television so still working people from clueless are still working except for stacy dash um and next up uh after after the the three uh production managers we get music supervisor uh, karen ratchman uh and uh, she was the one who convinced uh the muffs to cover uh kids in america for the opening titles um, and at the time of this um, film, she was she had literally like the the kind of the the year before she had uh, she'd been a music supervisor for Desperado. She's a music supervisor for Get Shorty, and uh, she'd also been a music supervisor for Pulp Fiction and Reality Bites and Reservoir Dogs. So she'd supervised some quite good soundtracks. Um, and a lot of kind of like um, indie films, and um, most notably, she had also done the the music for there was a series of um, TV movies um, based on like uh, like Roger Corman films from like the fifties or like exploitation flicks basically. And um, Alicia Silverstone was in uh, The Cool and the Crazy, um, which was directed by Ralph Bakshi, um, and starred Jared Leto. Uh, uh, those are the only Jared Leto and Alicia Silverstone, the only two who were like on the poster. And uh, Karen Rackman was like the music supervisor for these these kind of group of um, TV movies, uh, including Motorcycle Gang, Confessions of a Sorority Girl, Rebel Highway, Shake, Ra- uh, Shake Rattle and Rock, Girls in Prison, Reform School Girl. Um, basically, kind of like a bunch of exploitation films that were remade as TV movies for some reason. Um, and after Clueless, she would she would go to work on uh, Boogie Nights, and um, most uh, most impressively, uh, Mystery Men, where she introduced the world to the sounds of All Star. Um, by I mean that's the greatest that is the yeah. greatest accomplishment, <laughs> obviously by Smash Mouth, of course. Um, uh, she hasn't actually done anything in the last few years. Um, the last kind of thing that she did was uh, was in like 2009. Um, but she was bizarrely the uh, music supervisor for Dirty Love, the um, directorial debut of Jenny McCarthy, I think. Is it or or she her her writing debut? I think it was directed by her husband of the time. 
And then next, after uh, after Karen Ratchman, we have uh, David Kittay. Yeah, David Kittay. Uh, he did... He was the... Let me get the exact... The music... The well, he's known for being on X-Files. <laughs> well, he did... He, so far, he has, at least on IMDb, 67 credits. Uh, a lot of these are for TV stuff. And... Like the Teen Wolf, like the first one he did was for the Night Stalker and then in uh, 86. And he did the Teen Wolf TV show. That the cartoon was, TV show. Oh, I didn't know it was a cartoon TV show. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it has uh, some really great uh, stuff called like Toot Toot Tut Tut All That Rot, you know. That was really great. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, wait, Teen Wolf Punk's out. That probably probably real cool. Yeah, uh, you know, he did. Don Donnie Donnie he, Most from uh, Happy Days did a voice for the. Um, uh, he did Styles on the uh, the Team Wolf cartoon show. Um, oh, he did a uh, Surf. He well, some of the stuff that I kind of recognize from my childhood. Surf Ninjas. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously he did Clueless. He did Mad About You, the Clueless TV show, which is what I. I I think remember. that's probably just some of the stuff that was in the film that was probably reused for the TV show. I'm not sure if he eh. would have actually worked to do well, new he, stuff. He got, he probably got paid for at least them using it 62 times. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah. He got paid yeah. for it on every episode, yeah. Yeah, so I'm glad I'm glad he got that. Uh, he did Scary Movie, Loser, which apparently just, that, that was just a big reunion for everyone. Yeah. Dude, Where's My Car, Ghost World... Just, I mean, wait, there's one that I wanted to talk about in particular. Well, I want to just quickly mention that he uh, he also worked with Alicia Silverstone on the TV show Mismatch. Oh, yeah, I skipped yeah. that one. I didn't know that so, she was on it. Uh, yeah. But the one that uh, is that I that stuck out to me was because he did a lot of like a uh, Disney Channel original movies uh, and Eddie's Million Dollar Cookoff. Oh, my God. <laughs> Someone else in the uh, world remembers that movie. Holy yeah, well, that's the thing. Um, like, cause I actually from that movie, I learned how to crack an egg with one. Same hand here. From that. Same movie. here. <laughs> really? Oh my god. <laughs> so, um, and uh, that's for that movie actually was like is super important to me for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's basically because uh, Bobby Flay was also in that movie, and uh, at that time I was watching a lot of Food Network. Yeah, and seeing Bobby Flay go on a Disney Channel uh, movie was just just blew my mind. So I mean, also on that you have uh, Rose McIver, who's who's better, yeah. best known now for uh, I Zombie, but she was um, she was also in. I knew um, I recognized that name, Rose McIver. Yeah, I knew I recognized it. You didn't recognize it. I recognized it because I watch I Zombie. I uh, watched I Zombie too. I didn't watch a lot of the second season, but I watched it. He also did the music for another Disney Channel movie called Life is Rough, which I also liked a lot. Which one was that? And how are we spelling rough there? How are we spelling uh, rough? F, F U, I mean, not F U, R U F. <laughs> Jesse, I remember the yes. name. No, F U, Life is Rough. <laughs> I, I, remember the, yeah. I remember the name of that, but what was the plot of Life is Rough, Jesse? Um, it was basically this kid doing like a like a dog rescue service or something like oh, that. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And he also, but like, you know, nothing like super important, I think, from there. I mean, he did vamps under the name of David Kate Gordoski. 
Yeah. Gregoth. Yeah. Um, Reuniting. There's something called Wieners. Once more. He did, and he did a thing called Wieners, which like, I want to kind of see what that is. <laughs> oh. Oh, no. This is making me sad. No, this is Keenan. This is Keenan Thompson in it. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a road trip comedy. It also has okay. um, it also has Zach Levy and Fran Kranz. I never know how to. Oh, play I that. like all three of those people, and this movie doesn't look good at all. And also has um, Joel David Moore, uh, Kyle Gass, Sarah Drew, who most recently is in uh, Grey's Anatomy, uh, and Chris Pratt. So that's quite a cast. If you were trying to get that cast together now, that would be. Uh, quite a cast to get together. Um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of want to watch this because I really like uh, Fran Kraz Kranz 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 Kranz. That's how I always want to say Fran, it. Kranz Franz Kranz. But I really yeah. like I really like that actor a lot, and I might watch it just because he's in it. Yeah, uh, yeah, but he. But uh, so far, the you know the last thing he's done was Aftermath. At least what he's been credited with. Um, on yeah, his, Aftermath. And that was in 2013, and on his website, uh, which has a really sad news section, if I'm kind of honest, it's just a one-line thing about Clueless the Musical from last year. I mean, that's not that sad. I know, no, no, it's just a sad, like, news, like, <laughs> page, because it's just, like, one page of yeah. just news, and it's just, it says one sentence. Maybe he's super active on Twitter or Instagram or something, like, maybe he's he's using a different um, way to get out the his, the news of his career. Um, maybe. What? There's a SoundCloud web, link. Websites are old hat. There's a SoundCloud link on this. Uh, oh, there it's you go. all stuff from... Yeah, I guess it's just his music that he wrote. For these. Yeah. Oh! Dude, the the uh, Eddie's Billion Dollar Cookoff. One of the songs is on here. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> this sounds like something oh. for you two to explore after we finish recording this podcast. Yeah, so I'm just gonna wax nostalgic Wait. about this kind of shitty. Uh, okay. Be sure to join Jesse and I on our new <laughs> podcast where we watch every Disney Channel original movie. <laughs> yes. No, but I'm this not is. Do that. I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm already busy with other podcasts, believe me. And then our final kind of um, crew credit is uh, Marsha S. Ross, who is the the casting agent. Um, I would just like to say this woman has had the best career ever. Like, (laughs) I I started going through her her filmography as casting director. And, uh, you know, at the top, it's a lot of, like... Disney movies and stuff like Enchanted and Princess Diaries and stuff, but the further down the list you get, the crazier it gets. Her first movie, her first movie that I recognized as casting director was like in nineteen eighty something, with Streets of eighty three, eighty three was Streets of Fire, (laughs) and uh, she also was the casting director for uh, the Ralph Macchio guitar movie. Crossroads, where yes, Raph Machu has a guitar duel with Steve Vai. <laughs> and yeah, or more accurately, Steve Vai has a guitar duel with, with Steve Vai because he plays both halves. Yep, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you you skipped over Brewster's Millions, which is quite frankly a modern classic. Uh, uh, look, it pales in comparison to Streets of Fire. Let's be honest. <laughs> but yeah, she. Brewster's Brewster's Millions is sad because 
basically like the top five actors in it are all dead now. <laughs> uh, oh, like Richard Pryor's dead, John Candy's dead. Um, what's his face? Uh, Jerry Orbach's dead. Pat Hingle's dead. Like Hume Crone's dead. Everyone's dead basically. The only one who's living is Richard Pryor's girlfriend um, from the time, Lynette McKee, who played his girlfriend in the film. That is or, horrible. You know. <laughs> I mean, it probably was pretty easy uh, to play that role. She just had to basically be herself. Funny enough, Lynette McKee has the same birthday as me, so uh. Uh, only you know twenty years apart or so. So, uh, uh, but you were saying, Trevor? Oh, after Crossroads. Uh, Crossroads. She. Um uh, obviously, she did uh, uh, this movie that we're talking about now, you know, Clueless. And uh, she did 10 Things I Hate About You. And uh, that's whenever she started yeah. to get into uh, movies in that similar vein, like Princess Diaries and stuff like that. She also did uh, the casting for Enchanted, uh, the 2007 Disney movie with, yeah. uh, what's her name, who I really like? Uh, Amy, Amy Adams. Adams. Amy Adams. Yeah, I really I like do that too. Movie. It's really cool. Uh, she also and then she seems to start working for Disney because then she did Prom, The Muppets, John Carter. Yeah, yeah. She seems to have kind of got into a, like a Disney uh, vein after Enchanted. She John, also, I think John her, Carter is way better of a movie than what people give it. Her latest for. credit is which movie? John Carter. John Carter. Oh, John Carter. No, it's a piece of crap. It, but, I agree. Uh, no, it it, no, it's it, no, no. It's a decent that. movie. No, 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 it's no. a decent movie. You you have a person telling a story to a person telling a story to a person telling a story to a person telling a story, and then you're on Mars, and you're like, "Holy! What am I? What am my favorite? What am I favorite? What am my favorite books is Frankenstein, which is basically nothing that, but that's a, a narration, that's a novel, on narration, though, on narration, that's on narration, on narration, on narration. I like a lots of framing devices in my storytelling. So. Well, look, this, the same year that she she cast Enchanted, she also cast The Lookout, which is. Uh, one of my favorite films, which ha- which bizarrely enough has the other famous kind of redhead in Hollywood, Isla Fisher. Yeah. Um, she- and it was written and directed by Scott Frank, who is uh, who did uh, the script for Out of Sight. Re- um, and it's got Jos- Joseph Gordon-Levitt and uh, Matthew Good, Carla Gugino. It's a great cast. Yeah. Recently, she's got on the string where she seems to do like a lot of Disney movies, and then she'll do one like super dark movie, like. Uh, she, uh, her most recent movie is uh, Obliv- Oblivion, the 2014 sci-fi movie with Tom D- Cruise. Cruise? Yes. I almost yeah. said Hanks. But just pi- <laughs> oh, that would have been a way different Picture movie. that movie. Same. Everything's the same, but it's Tom Hanks. One last thing I would like to say about her career is uh, she did the casting for the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie. Which I think, oh yeah, I think was unfairly maligned. I do think so. Also, but the ca- the cat, uh, you can I, say whatever you will. The casting in that movie is great. That's once point. once we finish with uh, Marsha Ross, we get the cast um, in order uh, with single and double card credits with Alicia Silverstone, Paul Rudd, Stacey Dash, Brittany Murphy, Dan Hedaya, Jamie Sisto. Breckin Meyer and Justin Walker share a card rather than Breckin Meyer sharing a card with Brittany Murphy, but. I guess he was less important than her. Uh, Wallace Shawn and Twink Kaplan share a card. Uh, this is the second time we've had Twink Kaplan's name this week, and we'll get it at least one more time. Uh, Julie Brown and Donald Faison. Um, and then we get the uh, authorial claim, an Amy Heckerling film, uh, which I think we can agree it definitely was. 
And then we get the producers, Robert Lawrence and Scott Rudin. And then the credits start rolling. And um, there's two little things worth pointing out in these credits, which is Amber does not get a solo card. Uh, Elisa Donovan has to wait, basically. And she, on the scrolling credits, is between Donald Faison and Breckin Meyer. So they both got single card credits, but she doesn't. Um, and Mel has got a different surname in the cards. Um, he's Mel Hamilton, uh, which can also be seen on the report card. When you see Claire, uh, Cher's report card, it says Cher Hamilton. Um, and the address is listed as somewhere in Beverly Hills. Um, and this is where we see um, Mr. Hall's first name is Wendell. And Miss Geist's name is Toby. Um, so she's credited as Miss Toby Geist, which is a slightly odd credit. But uh, there you go. And um, after Christian, the first person to get a credit. Uh, I should also mention that uh, Ada Linares, who plays Lucy, is, is in these credits um, before Mr. Hall and Miss Geist. Um, is uh, Parudism. I can't remember how to say his name. But uh, basically the, the kid who kind of was on the cell phone getting annoyed at Mr. Hall when he found out he had like 17 tardies, he gets the first credit. Um, and then the real Mr. Hall, Herb Hall, who played the principal for 30 seconds, gets the next credit. And that is where our minute finishes. Um, so, uh, and while I have both of you here, uh, neither of you were on the uh, the minute zero where we had the the original five um, hosts. So you know, obviously, uh, in the course of your hosting of episodes, and, and in Jesse's case, being a guest, uh, you've spoken about the fact that you both only recently watched Clueless um, for this podcast. I think both of you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and. Um, I think you've also both said that you haven't really seen any other Alicia Silverstone films either. I've seen Batman um, Forever. No, you haven't. You've seen I, Batman and Robin. Oh, sorry. I've seen that one too. <laughs> and, I haven't uh, watched Jesse, any of the Batman movies Pat, before uh, before Nolan. No, I haven't watched any of them. So, so you have. So neither of you see, have seen um, like Blast from the Past or oh no I've seen Blast crush. from the Past there we go yeah I, I knew I've one seen of Blast you had from seen. the Past and if if you enjoy Alicia Silverstone the thought of Alicia Silverstone playing a Lolita type character then she did that in two films one called Babysitter and the other one called The Crush uh, The Crush was actually the like a really big deal the year before Clueless came out she won a number of like different MTV movie awards for I think Best Villain Best Kiss various things um uh, so yeah, um, and I think both of you have kind of answered the question about who your favourite characters were. Though I think Jesse, you 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 flip flopped from um, saying that uh, Travis was your favourite character to saying that um, uh, what's her face, uh, Amber. Amber was your favourite character. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't know. They're they're like pretty still close to you know <laughs> neck to neck for me. And uh, Trevor, I who, do, who, who did you like in the film? Uh, Brittany Murphy's character. Yeah. I think everyone likes Ty and Travis at some point in this film. Because they're adorable! Yeah. No, like, the like, one thing that I do like about this movie, for the most part, is it kind of lacks a lot of conflict, if really. And it's just like, most of it's just like kind of cute vignettes of people. Which sort of mirrors the novel. There's not much, there's not much conflict in Emma. 
No, there is um, not. You know, most of it, most of it is just is just a rich girl trying to amuse herself, basically. So I'm just going to say, is there any other team films? Now I think both of you have kind of covered this a little bit in your minutes, but you know, is there any other team films that you you kind of didn't get a chance to talk about, or that you just re- kind of remembered um, since you finished your minutes that you you'd like to kind of talk about that you enjoy? I remembered them until you asked me about it just now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just went blank too. Uh, I, I mean, like, I think I said this before. I don't know. Um, I kind of got a watch part of Perks of Being a Wallflower yeah. again, uh, which came out when I was, I think, around like nineteen or so. Like, it was a few years ago. But, I think uh, it was uh, two thousand thirteen was the film. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah that means yeah, a few few years ago, and uh, I, I really like that one. It, th- like, apparently the uh, author. Yeah. He directed the book, it. like directed it and wrote the screenplay and did almost everything, but like the shooting and yeah. like I think that that was actually a I think it did a pretty good job at doing because I read the book too. Uh, yeah, when I was in and Steven I think it did a pretty good job. Chabosky. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I I remember I remember being kind of impressed when I saw the title, like the uh, credits, and it was just like him doing like a lot of the major stuff. Like producing and everything. Yeah, it's one of those films that has Mae Whitman, who is, you know, who <laughs> her? starting to reach her, starting to yeah, starting to reach like her fifties, and she's still getting cast as a as you know she was she was a she was a, like a teenager in Parenthood. She was a teenager in Scott Pilgrim. She's a teenager in Perks of Warfare. She's a teenager in The Duff, and this is like twelve years after she was a teenager in Arrested Development. So. She is, she has perpetually stuck being a teenager, uh, and this is despite the fact you know that she she basically started um, her career when she was like six in like a re- in um, the Meg Ryan film When a Man Loves a Woman, and she was in she was a president's daughter in Independence Day, and she was George Clooney's daughter in One Fine Day. You know, so she she played a kid for quite a, a substantial amount of time, and then she's been stuck as a teenager for the last like. 14 15 years so well like i mean another interesting parallel since we're like on may whitman uh the um uh, michael Sarah for until i think fairly recently was still playing like young like older teen like young 20s and, like, yeah yeah he was roles. he was kind of stuck in that as well i mean i don't know if you've seen if either of you seen the um uh what was the film that he did like straight after arrested development uh, the one where he was—he played like Youth in Revolt? Revolt. That's it, Youth in Revolt. Yeah, we we played like his evil self who had a, a mustache. Yes, I I loved that movie it's so much. So stupid, <laughs> but it's amazing. <laughs> like like right now, he's doing a lot of like weird short films and stuff, and I'm enjoying it. Yeah, he's also he's also Robin in the Lego Lego Batman movie, so he's not totally sticking to like an indie route so are there any other team moves that you can think of in particular that you uh that haven't been mentioned this particular time uh yes the uh this uh, this great little teen movie called the tribe oh yeah it's uh, about uh, about a collection of uh about a communion of deaf kids and uh just watch just watch it it's a nice movie it's a nice movie the whole movie. Oh wait, I gotta make this point first. The whole movie is most of the characters are deaf, uh, and so they commun- So they're doing sign language for the whole movie, but you uh, you don't get any subtitles. So you just have to like glean what's going on through like context clues and just the emotion that the actors are bringing to the performance. <laughs> so let's get into plugs. 
Uh, and I'm going to start with um, Trevor first. What do you got to plug? First thing is uh, my uh, D&D uh, actual play podcast that I run with some friends. Uh, lots of fun. It's called They See Me Rolling. Uh, to listen to it if you're into people playing D&D and making goofs. Uh, my other podcast, which will... I'll be reading every book in Terry Pratchett's Discworld series. Um, yeah, you can look for, uh, for that, which, uh, will be coming out tomorrow, if, uh, if the stars align. It uh, should be. Yay! Yeah, we'll be, uh, first book cool. we'll be doing is, uh, The Color of Magic. And, Jesse, I know you have a couple of podcasts to promote also. My singular baby, and not my shared baby, is, uh, is Turn to Page. It's a choose-your-own-adventure book podcast, uh, where I basically read a choose-your-own-adventure book with a couple of people, and we review and goof and go on tangents about lots of things. Uh, Trevor is on it. I, I, I uh, Multiple am. times. You, you can hear me get mad at him, and I think you can episodes. You can listen to me get abused by this, this tyrant. I think you could literally hear me snap at him like, uh, like I'm his father. A, a few times so if you want to hear that you know you, that that's definitely the destination for you and also and you have also, i also have random sampling it's a podcast about basically talking about random wikipedia articles uh where we uh, me and carrie nelson uh we have uh, a conversation about wikipedia articles chosen via the random article button and we kind of just do that for, I don't know, for about 30 minutes. <laughs> okay. Short and to the point. Um, and I'm assuming all of those are available on iTunes. Okay. You can find both of those podcasts at uh, un- at underscore RS pod and at turn to page pod. Great stuff. For updates and stuff. And they also both have, uh, well, there's also a group and uh, page for... On Facebook. On Facebook, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you can hear me on other episodes of this particular podcast, but as of um, yesterday, uh, the third episode of I've Made a Huge Mistake, the Arrested Development Rewatch podcast has gone up. Uh, So you can hear me on another 50 episodes of that, uh, which will take at least six months for me to get through. So there's a lot of that going on. and you can follow that on uh, Huge Mistake Pod on Twitter. Um, you can follow As If on Twitter if you wish, but I feel like after this week, there's probably not that much that's going to be tweeted. So, <laughs> um, you know. And uh, thank you for both of you guys for joining me and for being hosts on this project. Thank you for having me And um, we will speak to you soon in some form. Goodbye. Uh, bye. Bye.